Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Teams are looking forward to getting into the top end, where the temperature will be as hot as the battle. Um, we really look forward to going to, especially this time of year, we're wearing five layers of clothes here in Melbourne, uh, and you get up to Darwin and, um, you know, it's just a whole different thing. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Would you like to own a V8 supercar just like Lounge, Winkup or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well, stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au. Here's news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. With 10 different winners in the V8 Supercar Championship this year already, the interest is now on who will be the next. We caught up with David Reynolds in Perth where he talked about this northern swing. Um, yeah, like after this weekend we, we get into like the really good rounds. I always call these four rounds the rubbish rounds because I don't think anyone enjoys them to be fair. So yeah, we go to the cool climate, you know, we got the good track layouts, you know, the, the big crowds and stuff. And then we lead into the enduro, so it's the fun time of the year. Craig Lowndes will celebrate his 40th birthday on Sunday. He is the third oldest driver in the field behind Russell Ingle and Jason Bright. With 97 victories, he's looking to try and crack the ton with a clean sweep this weekend. This would be a first for the top-end circuit as no driver has ever been able to put together a clean sweep at Darwin before. Mark Winterbottom is currently holding a 101-point advantage over the sport's most popular driver. Fabian Coulthard is third in the championship and heading back to Darwin, where we have seen some huge wrecks over the years. But he's not concerned of the big one affecting his title chances. Um, oh, look, you know, if, if, if a crash is going to happen, it's inevitable. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we're always pushing the limits 110%. And, you know, sometimes you make mistakes. But, you know, thankfully that's been a strength of my year. Um, you know, we've been very consistent throughout all the races up until now. Um, Darwin's going to be tough and tricky. Obviously, the track's slippery. Um, you know, the ambient's going to be high. The track temp's going to be through the roof. So uh, we just have to see how we roll the cars out of the truck and see how we fare. Why do you think we've been able to have now three Sunday races without any dramas? Oh, I just think everyone's being a bit smarter. Um, you know, obviously, the cars are reliable. Um, you know, everything seems to be just falling into place and no one's making silly manoeuvres. Todd Kelly is looking to make the top-end swing a successful one with significant changes to the Ultimas in 2014. They're hoping it will make a difference on the track. And it will be interesting to see um, how we end up there with our cars this year to see whether the aero um, gives us a, a good enough gain to make us a bit more competitive or whether the, um, uh, the engine side of it still 
a little bit of a hindrance on that long straight and it'll be a really good gauge of, of where we're at. We've probably got one of the slower corners onto the longest straight that we'll see in quite a while in our series. So um, it'll it'll really show us where we are and where our weaknesses are and our strengths are. So can't wait to get there and um, and try and get some of that success back that we've had in the past at that event. Rick Kelly has talked about the break between rounds, which has allowed the team to well, throw a huge amount of changes at the car. Our first true test day of the year. Obviously, we had the season opening test day at Eastern Creek, but um, really our first test day at Winton this year and a good chance to try a lot that we'd been working on over the last few months. And that was a very good day for us. The rounds this year have been pretty pretty tight on practice and practice time, track time, so it's been good to get, go to Winton and, and take a few bigger risks with set up and find um, you know, some, some direction in, in a few areas which has been important to us. So we're excited off the back of that to go to around now and try and implement some of the things that we worked on throughout, throughout that test day and uh, Darwin's the first opportunity for us to do that and um, again it's been around where we've enjoyed. We got into the shootout there last year which is good and um, aiming to get you know, a solid result again this weekend and to an extent turn our champion around we've had some tough days out there this year and a lot of um, bad luck and uh, for us we want to turn that around and start heading towards um, the pointy end. The Penske link to V8 supercars and a Queensland team look to be moving along well. Austin Sindrick the son of Team Penske president Tim enjoyed a day's testing in Queensland of a Dunlop series car. Nissan Motorsport is asking fans should the team look at sending an Ultima supercar to the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Well, so far on Facebook, the response has been a resounding yes. And finally, V8X Magazine looks at the 50 best drivers of the V8 supercar era and who were the top 10 touring car drivers in the touring car years. Columns from Mark Winterbottom, Mark Larkham and Gary Rogers. It's on sale now at all news agents and for digital download you can go to v8x.com.au. That's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at nobrac.com.au. That's n-o-b-r-a-c.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Would you like to own a V8 supercar just like Lounge, Wink Up or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well, stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us from Speed Cafe is Stefan Bartholomeus. Good evening, Stefan. G'day, Craig. How are you? I'm, uh, well, I'm looking forward to some warmer weather at the end of the week. 
Race Faxes, Tony Whitlock is here with us as well. Good evening, Tony. I'm looking forward to some warmer weather, but I think I'll have to um, just turn the heater up a bit higher. Yeah. Uh, of course, we go into Darwin with an interesting position in the points, 101 to the better of Frosty Winterbottom. And last year, the two protagonists at uh, this stage in the championship, Frosty and Craig Lowndes, Tony, were the two that had pretty good days uh, overall. But uh, one did punt his teammate out the way to uh, get the uh, good part of the day. Yes, indeed. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think I read a preview uh, involving Craig Lowndes talking about um, the 101 points and how hard it is to make it. It's that thing, of course, this year that you've got to make your bad days still very good in anyone's terms. You cannot have a really off day because if you do, you'll be well out of it. And, and Stefan, Triple Eight haven't had bad days. They've just not had the days that everyone expects from them. Well, yeah, and as, as we keep saying, that um, in this, this championship it's not even bad days because we've seen guys that um, on the same day will qualify 24th in one race and then qualify 4th in the next. So, um, yeah, certainly making the most of where you have qualified up the front and getting the points is uh, pretty important. Now, an abrasive tyre track, Stefan, and mixed tyres for the first time this year, it's going to make for an interesting combination, although you can only use the softs on Sunday. Yeah, so I think um, if people are running the hard on Sunday, they'll get it out of the way early and then they'll have um, rerun everyone on softs to the end. So it won't quite be as um, as variable as it was when we used to go up there and we only had one set of softs and you could either burn them at the start and then pray that there was no safety car or you could just keep them for the end and, and hope there was a safety car so it won't quite be that volatile. But... Um, Whenever they've got to tune the cars to, to uh, different tyre compounds for the same weekend, there's a little bit more of a variable again, so um, always interesting. And, and Tony, it's, what really makes it exciting is the different strategies. If everyone goes with the same strategy, then it, no point really uh, having mixed tyres at all. Well, there is. I mean, one of the interesting things, I mean, here we are, year two of the um, car of the future or car of now, and... Um, the faster aren't getting faster, but the uh, slower are getting faster. And, that, you know, the compression of the grids we're seeing, you know, at each track we go to, we haven't really seen any great speed increase, you know, at any of the tracks. But the one thing is that those people who were behind the eight ball last year are now much closer, um, you know, 10 winners, 16 races. And, yeah, strategies will become more important. And, that, you know, I think there will probably be a few more people throwing things in the air this weekend. Stefan, where do you think uh, this race is going to be won or lost? Is it is it going to be tyre management or is it going to be pit stop strategy? Well, um, the, the Sunday race, I guess, um, it requires a bit of everything. You know, it's so competitive now that you've, you've got to qualify at the front and you've got to pit at the right time and you've got to be able to look after your tyres to um, have something to fight with at the end. So um, you can't have any weaknesses and, and win these days. Um, one of the weird things we've seen in the four 200k Sunday races um, we've we've done so far this year, they've all gone without a safety car. So um, there really has been nowhere to hide in those races. If you fall behind, um, you're not getting a free kick to catch up. So uh, Winterbottom and FBR, and obviously Chaz won the last one at Barbagallo. They've been uh, they've been the masters of Sunday, so uh, they'd have to be the favourites going up there. Mm. Uh, of course, this track is getting pretty close, Stefan, to needing a, a complete resurface, isn't it? Yes and no. I mean, 
when uh, there's a bit of a different track surface, it's it makes it more interesting in a way. Like Barbara Gallo, you could scream Blue Murder that it needs a, a resurface, but the fact that it it's effectively one big cheese grater um, makes it pretty interesting for uh, for those watching and gives another challenge to the drivers and engineers. So um, obviously. I'll have a bit more of a look at it once I actually get up there this week, but um, unless it's breaking up, just resurfacing places so they have more grip and the drivers are high-fiving each other is probably not uh, not necessary. Mm. Now, Tony, this track often has the big one. We saw a huge one last year. If you don't qualify well, you could be caught in the, in the melee that ensues from a high-speed track and uh, limited opportunities to make a clean pass. Yeah, well, certainly if you're outside the uh, the top ten, then you uh, are more than likely going to take somebody's bumper or uh, they're going to say it's yours. Um, interestingly, they have done sort of a fair bit of work on the track, although not the resurfacing, in terms of relining concrete in turn one and five and ten. They've moved um, flag points from the outside to the inside, left to right, and various other things like that. So there are enough changes, I think, that we'll be having a few drivers re-evaluating the lines they've been using maybe changing the, where they're actually uh, pushing their apexes and things like that. But who do we think's going to win, Tony? Oh, gosh. Look, you know, you could sort of say, gee, it's about time that HRT actually, Walkinshaw got their, their four-car train uh, up the front. You'd almost think, they, you know, it's due. But then, because, you know, they've obviously had good success in the past, Tander and, and Courtney, um... But they've been been at tracks, the last three tracks they've been at, at tracks that HRT historically were very good at. So you can't go at all on what's in the past. You've only got to go on what's current with these cars and where they're going next. It's it's very hard to sort of say the FBR and, and Triple Eight are going to be uh, tripping over themselves and not being up in the top end. You know, I think there's a good chance that that Volvo, with its uh, slippery shape and its uh, lots of grunt, is going to make good use of that uh, longer straight. So, you know, you've got to hope that Dalvin is going to, you know, this time maybe get some uh, good results on top of the good qualifying. No one's ever clean sweeped it there. You haven't given us a... Well, you've said uh, HRT. Okay, Tony. Uh, but, uh, Stefan, no one's ever clean sweeped up at Darwin all three races. If Craig Lowndes can do it, he'll have 100 race victories. That um, That is thinking ahead, uh, planning the uh, 100 race win T-shirts three races out but um yeah it's it's very hard to uh, clean sweep a weekend these days and like uh tony said he mentioned all the contenders there and um yeah fbr red bull and scotty max um volvo certainly you know you could see any of those guys winning um i'm sure that volvo is going to enjoy that 1.1 kilometer front straight it doesn't it's seem to be shabby through the corner better the safety car, um, Stefan, you know, the lack of in those uh, four Sunday races. I mean, it's the one thing that we, we've known really for a long time, that the standard of overall driving is exceptionally high amongst our 28 guys, um, 25 now. Um, and, that you know, there are, with very few exceptions, people who push their car in a hole that really they shouldn't try. Yeah, it's almost... Um the level is so high that it's almost to the detriment of the entertainment value of the category because uh, people are just not making unforced errors and you just have to, you get a few laps into the race and it just settles into a flat orbit of 
all these guys doing pretty much the same lap time and just maximising the equipment that they've got, and that's where they run. Hmm. Um, so we haven't seen many safety cars. I'll tell you what, though, if ever there was a racetrack that was prone to a beer can or bottle on the track, then perhaps the the debris safety car is more likely at Hidden Valley than anywhere else. Guys, well, we've, we've seen holding flags on the track up there causing safety cars, and we've restarted races with the tilt trucks on, on the track. So, yeah, who knows? We need to take a break here on the Van Insiders, but plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Would you like to own a V8 supercar just like Lowndes, Winkup or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well, stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us from Race Facts is Tony Whitlock and Speed Cafe, Stefan Bartholomeus. And guys, uh, I was interested, Darwin this weekend, general admission $25. When we look at the V8 supercar events for the rest of the year, QR, Sydney Motorsport Park, Sandown, 27 for GA, 37 for Townsville, Gold Coast and Sydney, and $132 for Bathurst. Uh, certainly, these prices are... Uh, looking like they're being targeted at the football market. They're around the price that a general admission costs for most of the major sporting categories in Australia. Earlier in the year, at some of the tracks, we saw GA admission tickets over the 60-odd dollar mark, and, you know, that becomes a very expensive day out for a family. Yeah, not friendly at all. Uh, yeah, I think this is a, certainly a step in the right direction. Um, one of the things that also is uh, you talked about, I think, earlier about was the... Uh, easy access to drivers and that's obviously something that the race fans you know really want I, it's long wondered me why they don't replicate the thing they do at the opening round that is having a, a grid walk that's open to everybody rather than just you know having the pit access and making money on that but allowing all the public to come down and get a taste of the drivers and the cars and, and get up close to it it just seems to be a remarkable opportunity, okay, it's something else but to fill the day, but it's something to be so worthwhile for those people who don't get, particularly in places like Darwin and Townsville, where they don't get to see these guys. And, you know, even if they have a, a, a restriction on money that they can't go throwing the $20 or whatever it is to get in the pits, to be able to come out and agree that, that you know, once a, a day over a weekend just seems to be worthwhile doing. Mm. They certainly had a, a grid walk of some sorts there at uh, Tasmania, didn't they, Stefan? Yeah, um, it's, it's exactly what uh, what Tony's saying there, with you've got to create create value for the spectators and you've got to give them a reason as well when it's their local round to come out to the track. Um, so the, the grid walk or, or a pit lane walk where they can actually look inside the front of the garages because 
you know, it's great that spectators can be in the paddock at a V8 Supercar event where they can't at F1 or DTM or any of those places, but a lot of the teams now have these big sponsor hoardings and all the rest of it out the back where you you can get your autograph during the signing session for the driver, but you can't actually sort of see into the garage. So, um, yeah, just finding ways of better engaging the public is obviously uh, the goal, and V8 Supercars is working on that at the moment. Yeah, it's something that V8 Supercars have even brought up to the teams, looking for better suggestions on how to engage with the patrons. And I think it was off-air, Tony, that I mentioned, uh, even with a GA ticket, the drivers are taken out to the merchandise areas. So even with a GA, you can get some sort of interaction, which you don't get at the football. But obviously the next step is along the lines of after the final siren getting to run out on the ground and kick the footy. That's the equivalent of being able to walk down the grid and get up close to the cars. Yes, indeed. And, of course, now it's a religious thing where the teams all go out on the ground after an AFL match and kick footies, little footies into the crowd and go around and high-five and, and make as much contact as they can with the public. So, yeah, I mean, that's really important as part of the whole sports event nowadays. Um, one thing I just wanted to talk about, and, and maybe I'll raise it now, is is television. And uh, I was really pleased to read today that um, the 12-hour race next year is going to be on Channel 7. After some years of edited highlights on SBS and uh, only live on air uh, being online, now uh, Seven are making a move and having the last, last three hours of the race on Channel 7, uh, the mainstream. We'll have uh, Seven Make will have it most of the day, but to have the whole race on free to air is fantastic. I mean, it's a great move. It's a dramatic contrast with, for instance, this last weekend, Le Mans, was virtually ignored by all the media in Australia. The coverage was atrocious. Well, that's unless, Tony, that's unless you had pay TV where you could watch it on Eurosports and you could watch the American coverage on Speed. So in actual fact, when the Eurosports went to an ad, you could go to Speed and watch the American version. When the Americans went to an ad, you could go back to Eurosports. So once again, it comes up to the debate about free-to-air television over pay TV for sport or other content that you may wish to watch. Well, I know that you're a lifetime supporter of Fox and Speed and all those things. Yes, Rupert Murdoch uh, has got a lot of money off me over the years. As someone who has yet to convert to that particular network or chain of networks, it's something that I don't normally do. Um, and, you know, I enjoy going online and watching things that I can, like Indy 500 and stuff like that. But um, because V8's the way they're going, I mean, obviously, you know, if you want to watch more than just those six events next year, then, yeah, you've got to sign up. So, Or you so. have your weekend and you watch the replay. I, I still think that is going to be, and this is my personal opinion, I think that is going to be a huge, huge boon for the ratings where people will go, well, I'd normally sit in and watch it, but now I can do this with the family and I know I come back on Sunday night and I can watch the whole thing. The kids will be, you know, put to bed and I can really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Stefan, you're very quiet there. Well, time will tell on that one, Craig. I'm not sure if the uh, if the world's really pining for uh, delayed... Uh coverage of sports when they already know who won via their Twitter and their Facebook and their email and their every who's he looked at and they don't have their lifetiming to look at and everything else so yeah maybe for some casual fans that just sit down and go oh what's on oh yeah this is all right but at the end of the day you you're hardcore are going to get the fox 
you want to get at the casual fans. You want to be able to get that position where on Monday morning people are going to say, gee, did you see that race? Maybe even did you see that driver smack the other one in the head like the Speedway Grand Prix? That's that's what you want. You want them to be able to have that opportunity to um, to watch it. And let's face it, when we see the websites, when we see the Twitter going off about something that happened, it's going to make that casual viewer want to tune in to see what happened. And if it's on at a time they can watch it, then they're going to be inclined to do it. It's interesting that Seven has picked up um, this 12-hour race, given that their V8 involvement ends this year. And, you know, they're obviously not walking away from motor racing. They're saying, oh, well, we can have that in February outside the AFL season, so we'll have that. You know, it, it's an interesting development. I mean, the other fascinating scenario, of course, is we're all waiting to see what's going to happen with the 10 ownership and Fox and the way in which that's going to play out. And, you know, when's 10 going to really start ramping up their coverage for next year? Yeah, and that has been one of the criticisms I've had, Stefan, Yes, you're not showing it right now, but you're going to be showing it next year, so don't you start the full-court press? Don't you start putting the clips on the news? Don't you start tagging everything with, and V8 supercars are on 10 in 2015? Well, yes and no. I guess at this point of the year, you're you're advertising someone else's product. But um, then the very naive could suggest that what goes on the nightly news shouldn't be so closely impacted by what uh, contract your network has in terms of sports. So... Um, yeah, I'm sure that when uh, later in the year when the timing suits them, they'll, uh, they'll start cranking it up. Mm. I don't think that uh, V8 Supercars are putting out the VRNs either. Uh, that is... I, I will double-check that. Um, but I don't, uh, early in the Channel 7 uh, contract and the V8 Supercar TV work, they were putting out nightly VRNs from the track. I don't think that happens anymore. Just um, uh, on motorsport, it was disappointing to see the lack of coverage of uh, Jack Babin's state uh, funeral. Um, you know, plenty of room for uh, stories about goats with wheels and ducks up trees and things like that, but when it came to something as important as uh, a state funeral for a, a legend in, in world motorsport, it was disappointing not to see that covered on uh, most channels. You know, it's terrific that you know, you're able to watch the live coverage of the, of the state funeral, um, and in the specialist press, there was certainly plenty written about Jack and, and all he meant to this country. But what I'm meaning is that here's somebody who, in world news on motorsport, is an enormous ambassador. And yet, outside that specialist press, there was very little written or shown and covered about Jack's farewell. And I think that's a, a great, great uh, problem that... Australian media, mainstream media, is really doing a very poor job on. You know, I think they need to lift their game. Yeah, it is. It is something, but uh, it comes down to what do the media editors uh, and uh, the the editors in the in the newsrooms around Australia think of motorsport? And it's it's they're not thinking it's it's columnist or minute worthy, and and perhaps that's a problem because. There's only one series that is able to cut through, and that is because one series has become the dominant series and and uh, at the expense of every other motor racing series and perhaps at the expense of motorsport itself. Yeah. yeah. I guess that what, what Tony's talking about there in terms of the nightly news, it, it cuts a bit deeper than just what they think of motor racing because when you look at all the uh, a lot of the uh, mainstream news websites and... Um, 
you know, the top top stories you see on there and it says oh, most clicked on today is, you know, duck stuck in a bucket. Um, that's got to influence what uh, resources they put into some stories as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's an interesting development, that one. I, yeah. I, I really think it's a, a fortunate thing that... Um, the police and doctors and firemen of this country don't work to the same standard as the news editors of TV and newspapers in this country because if they did, there'd be a lot of houses burnt down, a lot of people sick and a lot of crims getting away with stuff because, by Christ, the editors of this country and the media really have a lot to be responsible for. Mm. Certainly it would help population control. (laughs) But that, that is probably a bit broader than what... V8 Insiders here is invented for. Guys, a pleasure to catch up with you both. It is interesting to see where the series might be headed, and uh, it's certainly not going backwards, in my opinion, but uh, I guess everyone's going to wait until they see the first few weekly uh, numbers from the uh, new free-to-air deal before they're willing to say that. Yeah, well, he's hoping the sponsors are all lined up uh, waiting for a, a new TV network, that's for sure. Stefan, look forward to catching up with you in Darwin this weekend. All right, thanks, Craig, and uh, have a good weekend on the couch, Tony. Thank you very much. Both of you enjoy the sunshine. I'll give you both a call at the weekend to find out how the sand's running. Yes, well, we've got the white flag lap up next here on the V Insiders where we hear from Murph and life after the main game. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Would you like to own a V8 supercar just like Lounge, Wink Up or Frosty? Maybe historic Australian muscle cars are more your thing. Well, stop dreaming and go to motorfocus.com.au. We have over 2,000 highly detailed models in stock ready to mail. Get your models online at motorfocus.com.au. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's Munro Shock Absorbers White Flag Lap, we catch up with Greg Murphy about his life after the main game. I certainly would like to be doing a few more miles here and there and bits and pieces, but uh, uh, it's just, you know, it's the way things the way things pan out, you know, and um, at the moment, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with, with what I'm doing in between, between New Zealand and Australia. Obviously, you go along in your racing career and opportunities, as you're progressing up, opportunities present themselves, you take them, you go on. Mm. Your mate Scaifey in the commentary box there came out with Scaifey next, is there a Murph next plan to see you through the next five, ten years? Uh, that's a very difficult thing to do, plan that far ahead. And I certainly don't have a five, ten year plan um, because things change so fast. You know, there's a lot going on constantly and it's, it's very difficult to... I wish I did have something that was cemented that, that long down the, down the line. Some days it's, um, it's a bit frustrating to um, have uh, nothing cemented for a long period. You know, everything's short term. Um, but that's the lot, that's the world we live in, because of you know the things we do. No one's got a you know a, a massive long sort of arrangement unless you own something. You know, for, for hired hands uh, like myself, the way I've done things, you know, for a long time, um, you know, everything's on a you know on a definitive sort of cycle or definitive timeline. Because you do the racing in New Zealand, not doing much racing here in Australia. How long can you be a co-driver at the top level in Australia if you're not doing 
a lot of races here? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the answer is or the number is on that one. Um, you know, it comes down to each each individual performance, and, and really, you're only as good as your last race. So, you know, if uh, if your last race is still good enough, then I suppose you know you'll still get another gig. Does having perhaps a Carrera Cup drive or anything like that help extend your your career out? Uh, I don't know. It, 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 you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. I wouldn't think it doesn't hurt. But but then again, also um, eighteen years of experience doesn't hurt. And what about? Are there things you've wanted to do race-wise that you haven't ticked off yet? Oh, absolutely. There, I mean, there wouldn't be a guy up and down pit lane who doesn't have that. Um, you know, I'd love to be doing other things. I love driving different cars. I'd, you know, I'd uh, be super keen to try and do some other endurance racing, sports car type racing. But um, you know, it's, it's easier said than done. It doesn't. They don't come along every day. And, and you know, just like here, where where finances are uh, the, the key key to um, uh, you know going racing not just for the teams but for drivers as well over there is no different so you know it doesn't matter what you've done here you, you, you've still got to have the right connections or the right uh, ins to be able to you know worm your way into a seat um, somewhere else doing something else but like Brady he said he wanted to do Le Mans put that in place uh, Craig's doing his first 24 hour race are they the type of races you're talking about yeah absolutely those types of races but then again it also it's it's time and you know everyone's doing different things and got different commitments and that kind of stuff and and I suppose the way I am um, you know I've, I've set myself up I've got certain commitments that that haven't really allowed me to chase that further what is what is the uh, end of the year looking like finish off the super tourists yeah, yeah, obviously we've got the Enduros to, to crack into in September but, and also obviously Enduros with, with HRT as well. So it, it gets busy again at the moment. It's a bit of a lull as far as um, racing's concerned, New Zealand and Australia for me, but uh, which, you know, is good and bad. I mean, I'd, I'd like to be doing some more miles, um, but it's, you know, what do you do it in? That, that's worthy and, and makes sense. So it, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing to, to get a result on or be able to put in place. Shane said to me in Auckland it was quite awkward. Um, he felt quite awkward because you had both the New Zealand V8 touring car series at the track. Does a resolution have to happen in New Zealand one way or the other or combining the two to be able to grow New Zealand motorsport? Or do you think you can both survive the way you're going? Oh, New Zealand motorsport needs a complete and utter restart. It, it needs to basically, um, you know, completely cut off and start again but that, that comes from right from the top you know and that's not going to happen so you know there's some stupid stuff going on in New Zealand as far as motor and, and motorsport which is incredibly disturbing and and hard to fathom how some people could you know in, in, in places of power could be so so naive and so ridiculously biased but that's just the way it is and it's a real shame so um, it, it needs to it needs to have a full restart and um, you know I don't see that happening in the short term. Paul Radisic was talking about a, a Kiwi team back in Vad Supercars, but economically, would that just be a very crueling blow back in New Zealand if money was coming from sponsors in New Zealand no, Motorsport to that pull it into here? That won't happen. I mean, they're, they're going to struggle to, to be able to pull enough money out of a sponsorship to make that happen. It's going to come from, from um, you know, wealthy funders, basically, to make that happen. And, you know, it'll be a hard hard uh, road to hoe but that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that being a, a negative towards domestic New Zealand motorsport What about Penske coming in? Do you reckon you and Marcus would be a good teammate pair? I think it would be fantastic, it would be great for the fans 
That's all we have time for this week on the show as the chief flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.